to Motorcycles and Misfits here at the Recycle Garage in blazing hot Santa Cruz. Balls hot. I, I, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> it, really, it was really yeah, pretty reasonable. You were, you were darling. You were clothed, therefore it wasn't balls hot. <clears throat> oh, so did, that, did Jim that it out sun again? has been so blazing. It felt like... um. Y'all, there was a movie when I was a kid uh, called "Where Did All Like Where Have All the People Gone?" And it was about this like these sun flashes and it like vaporized everyone, but these people who were exploring a cave survived. Ooh. This it reminded me of that. Like this sun is so hot. It was, but that's well, it. It's the Indian summer. I hope that's all it is. Otherwise, we're turning into San Diego. Yeah, it's, it's both. <laughs> so let's get to who is here in the garage tonight. We had a bunch of people here today, and uh, some went home, some stayed, but we we still got a room full. So this is Eliza, your host. What's up, my people? Uh, running the board for the first time tonight. What? We got Isaac. I exist. Pop exactly. goes the cherry. Oh, pop so goes the cherry, and the cherry goes pop. Yeah. Training to be the new Zach. Potty he's, training? He's smoking Jasmine at the moment. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. Who's Jasmine? Neither. <laughs> <laughs> it smells nice, and it's, it smells nice, and putting it in my mouth is as close as I can hold it to my nose. Over, <laughs> over in the corner, we have that's just me. <laughs> bagel. That's the and salivations. So, in the next bagel, we have Adrian. Was salivation salvia? What? No, never mind. Hi, I'm back. All right, next to me we got Naked Jim. Peace, love, and soul. Did you get naked today? Um, no, no, not the garage <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you didn't even shower? Had to I think did about shower. that. Yeah. Uh, next to Jim, we got Emma. Oh, hello, the darling. new the <laughs> new fan favorite. Really? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll take it. Oh, yeah. um, but yes, hello everyone in Podland, darlings. Riding the pretty girl couch tonight, we have Damon. Hello, everybody. This is uh, all new to me, and I'm, I'm sure I'll get used to you guys a little bit at a time. <laughs> and he's, he's one pretty girl. We'll say yeah. that. Now. Exactly. <laughs> no, he's, he's very well-groomed. A yeah. little bit of time and is how it goes. for the first time on the couch, we've got Micah. Hi. <laughs> I dyed my hair today, so I'm blaming it on that. And yeah, how, many times, nice. how many times did you drop your bike this week? Uh, once this week, not counting last Sunday. Okay, okay. That's a vast improvement. Right. Oh, I mean, I only rode it once, so I've still dropped it uh, three times and ridden it twice. But <laughs> it's getting oh, better. One to one Just ratio. More throttle. More right. throttle. More throttle. And well I'm dying to hear what comes out of his mouth. And next up, we got Charlie. Hello, it's me, your friendly neighborhood misfit. <laughs> <laughs> That, that was worth the wait. Yes. All right. So, Jonathan, do you see what's happening was cool. here? Are you yeah. prepared for this? That was awesome. I'm very ready. All right. So, next to Charlie, we have Jonathan. Hello there. Oh, well, that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, very formal. Well, he is a Harley rider. Yeah, he's probably feeling a little timid right now. Yeah. Yes. He rode a sport bike today and liked it. Oh, so much. Duh. So very much. I know. I, know. I was. My we'll, bike, we'll convert if, you eventually. If my bike counts as a sport bike, I don't know. It does. Does it? Yeah. So, yeah, and uh, Jonathan is riding the the Harley the 750 that the, I think the 750 Shadow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Harley the 750 <laughs> Shadow exactly. Oh sh! It's a new engine. It's a new engine. It so, felt like a very well built machine to me. 
the yeah i'm yeah. i think that's why i was you know he's wanting to do everything to increase horsepower and performance on it and aside from just getting the right bike i said instead of trying to eke out a couple more horsepower why don't you look at where harley had to cut corners uh but for budget reasons and try and improve handling like maybe do a front end swap no one's done that yet and just from my xs 750 i've become aware of how much better the handling and braking can be with something like that it completely changes it the actually bike. it handled pretty well and the braking was all i mean it only has one rotor so i mean you get as much as that but it, yeah. it wasn't bad yeah i know they had the um they had an issue in the 2015 models the um the braking caliper had a lot of issues but they swapped it out this year and now it's it's breaking fun but initially the 014 and the 015 models weren't breaking at all if you use the front brake so oh uh, that's a slight design defect yeah, that's not a good yeah it's a slight problem <clears throat> well you only need the rear brake right you only need your engine brake if you really <laughs> use that <laughs> as much as me so um so a lot of things happened this week well jim why don't you just get to your your stories what, what happened to you this week uh, a couple of things. Um, well, earlier in the week, I'll talk about yesterday. Yesterday, I went to some, some flat track racing, and that was really cool. Um, but before that, on Tuesday, you know, it kind of plays into our thing about um, aggressive driving and lane splitting. And, and I'm realizing more it's about perception. But I was coming home from work. You know, I commute over the hill through Silicon Valley daily. And, um, and I dig it. You know, I don't mind. It's great. I love it. And, um, but I was going uh, down Lawrence Expressway, which is three lane or six lane highway, you know, three on either side. And I was just kind of in a spot in traffic that didn't, didn't feel great, didn't have a lot of outlets, escape spots. So I did see a little spot up to my left. So dropped a gear, you know, basically went on one side of the dotted line to the other dotted line, um, zipped on up and got into this spot. Well, I heard a woman blow her horn at me when I changed lanes, but I, I saw her the entire time. I saw her in my mirror. I knew exactly where she was, how far back off, and, and it was no issue. But I think I spooked her a little bit and pull up to the light and she kind of goes by me and i can see her you know looks like yelling at me as she goes by and i'm like whatever and uh as i pull up to the light i'm filtering up and as i filter past her she lurches forward in her car at me basically and wow. yeah the only she stopped just before she hit the car in the lane to my left so yeah i had to break you know back break with my foot and had one hand on her car the other hand on the clutch and and it was you know not a huge deal it was more surprising than anything but um so I'm like, whoa. So she rolls her down her, her window and just starts lighting me up. And I was like, and I was just trying to understand, like, where is this coming from? And uh, But the most surprising part when I said, you know, you, you thought I cut you off. I get that. But but you, that makes it okay for you to hit me with your car? And she right. looked at me and she goes, yes. I was oh, like, wow. oh, my gosh. So, wow. But anyway, no, I don't. You need a GoPro. I don't want to dwell on that. You know, the way I look at riding is you're invisible, so just understand that. People, you know, you're going to have issues with people. Shit's going to happen. But when someone actually, it's the first time I had someone, like, go out of their way to try to, to do yeah. something. But um, anyway, it was good, uh, you know, whatever. Shit happens. So move on. I actually want to jump on two things with that, if you don't mind. It's take yeah. a couple minutes more. Um, you mentioned the GoPro. Um, one thing you can do is not necessarily the GoPro, but there's it's called the Mobius cameras, the one I saw, and you put a 2GB or you know 64GB, whatever the sizes are up to these days, um, card in it, and it basically turns on with the bike and just records in a loop. 
Hmm. So if you get in a crash or you get anything like intro off your bike, you'll still have the last hour worth of video or two hours worth of video. Nice. So, and you just don't have to think about it. It'll just keep going. It's one of those things I've always been meaning to put on my bike, mm. but yeah. this is something you might consider. Yeah. Technology yeah, is cool. Yeah. I, I used to run a camera on my bike and, and that was always a, a pain to have to go and like clear off the card and everything. So that would, uh, yeah, if it, if it can, Continuously yeah, th- record. This one just does a loop, right? Yeah, yep. that's uh, it's Mobius is the one I very saw, handy. and it's like you know eighty bucks and something on Amazon. Sweet. Um, yeah. The second is just about road rage in general, since I haven't been around, never got a chance to comment on Cat's thing. Um, the best thing you can do is get the fuck out of there. Just run. If there's if you see a ra- somebody starting to rage on you, don't give up the advantage that motorcycles have, and that's maneuverability and speed. Just they start raging. Just go. Just get out of there. There's nothing you can do to talk to them down. It's it's interesting. I, I knew that anyway, and and that I I agree with you. It's time just just like it all the time. Just move away. But it was so funny engaging her. But there's there nothing was going to come of the conversation. You mm-hmm. know, so it was, it was fairly brief, and she made her point. And yeah, and I just pulled up to the light and was did my thing, and uh, yeah, just put it behind me. But yeah, it was trippy. Just that people can lose their shit like that. Oh yeah, yeah. it's it's amazing and. The, the, you always do want to like wait no i want to explain my side of it but you just have to swallow that instinct and just get out of there yeah well, she was yelling at me and she's like um you didn't even see me you didn't even know where i was and and i said well I, no i knew exactly where you were I, right. I knew exactly how far away you were everything was good and it was all i just kind of spooked her but but i think it's something to be cognizant of riding you know so people that maybe lane split split aggressively and shit like that um the perception is it pisses people off. Like when I talk oh, to yeah. people at yeah. work and they're like, oh, you commute and you lane split, almost always their first reaction is, I fucking hate those guys. Right. And they're not referring to everyone who lane splits, but they're you know referring, I think, to the people that are, you know, you're going over 17 and they're doing like 50 or 60 and some dude rolls by doing like 85 out of nowhere. Um, you know, that freaks people out. So it, yeah. I think it's it's worth being cognizant of the perception that are, people have around you. Yeah, or, or like I've seen before, people with straight pipes, you know, just revving their engine as they're going through traffic and blaring their horn at the same time. Yeah. It, yeah it's not necessary. Just make no. your way through and, you know, don't, don't well, piss people off. We have to remember, too, that there are people who are setting bad, um, giving us a bad reputation. Yeah. I was up in San Francisco yesterday, and right there on the embark where it's like full of tourists and buses and pedicabs and just crazy tour shit. I saw six guys on dirt bikes with absolutely no gear. And they were they were unplated dirt bikes and they were stunting in the middle of Embarcadero. Wow. Hmm. Smart. I saw a thing I saw a thing uh, like a year ago that about a bunch of a bunch of illegal stunters this whole this whole crew in San Francisco and one of them turned out to be one of the cops. Yeah, I, oh, I remember Francisco. that one. Yeah. It was like it was one of the one of the sheriffs or something. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's also like there's a balance. 300 there. sports bikes closed down the 92 bridge yesterday for stunt. Oh, that pisses people off. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Fuck up people's traffic, that's one thing. But you know, but also when I lane split, I got out of the way. I you know, and I see people move. Um, you know, I'll try to throw a little wave out there and acknowledge the fact that they A saw me and then B actually tried to move out of the way. Yeah. And um, like, like I saw one of these uh, websites or something, they had some shirt that was like lane splitting because fuck you, that's why. And I'm like, <laughs> is that really the message you want to be sending considering you're going by these people on your bike? And it's more like lane splitting because thank you for voting in that legislation. You know what I mean? So whatever. Or lane splitting so I'm not taking up a space. Yeah, for yeah, all those yeah, good Lane splitting so I'm not in your way. So that was that, and what was way better than that was yesterday I went to the California Flat Track Association. Yeah, I'm so Mm. glad you went. Did anybody die? I was stoked, too. Oh, Um, too soon. Oh, did uh, someone die? 
Yeah, actually, there's been a death oh. in the oh, oh, shit. Oh, wow. Yeah, two what, people died at the thanks, last Charlie. event. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sit down, oh. take a nap. Yeah. Okay, so, um, how's that foot taste? Anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, so it was down at Salinas at the uh, at the rodeo down there, California rodeo. Uh, so it was cool and um, really great event. I was glad I went. And from the very beginning, when you go in, you can tell it's a really uh, family oriented good time with like real motorcycle people that are there to compete and and have a blast so um you know i met some of the the organizers there they were very generous um hopefully we'll get to talk to them a little bit later but uh you know on a bike they let you just ride right into the pits and everybody's set up in their their campers and their pop-ups and there's there's generations of riders literally um i would say you know their kids there as young as you know nine or ten certainly and then uh you know, and then the studly guys in their mid forties. You know, I, was, I call it the prime, the prime category. But uh, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, the racing was really good. Um, it was a lot of fun to watch the kids race because they charged super hard. Oh yeah. It was a half, no fear. Uh, it, it was totally no fear. It was a half mile TT track, and uh, yeah, there were some of these starts where everybody just pins it, and kids are riding wheelies like a third of the way down just to start because they're just so amped up. Um, but it was a great day. It was a lot of fun. And uh, they're having these events um, more and more. And it's part of an AMA-sanctioned thing. This, they kind of represent the West Coast uh, for the AMA and that racing. So I'm excited to go see more of it. Yeah, cool. flat, flat uh, tracking is really growing. Was it the usual oval? or No, it was like a TT setup. So it would be a long straightaway uh, right out the gate, and then a left-hand turn that would go into another left-hand turn, and then a right. Um, and then right would go into a small jump that went into a, oh. another hard Ooh. right. Yeah, but the jump went into another hard right. And it was loose dirt. Um, never really got packed. They would groom it about every so often. Um, but it was, like I said, it was great. It, looked, it made you want to do it. Um, <laughs> I mean, the classes, I think this, the lowest class they ran um, or they run is maybe 60cc. And it goes all the way up to you know the bigger stuff, stock, modified, unlimited class. Um, so do you see a lot of like... Um is it like the bigger V-Twins, or is there two-strokes, or is it all the thumpers? It's kind of all the above, and I, I think they have a, I, I didn't have a sheet that kind of told me all the classes, but it was a pretty broad spectrum of motorcycles. Um, so they had a little bit of everything. Uh, it was really cool. But it was nice to see all the different ages, and it was a, a cool scene. They had snow cones. It was fucking hot. <laughs> 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 that was the best part. And I had got to ride some really fun roads there and back. You know, we have all that, those great roads down there south of here, uh, in between here and Salinas. So did that. Had some fried artichokes at the Monterey Coast Brewery. So shout out to them. Super nice people. Good food. Good beer. Cool, so cool. yeah, so I'm looking forward to more of it. They have some, they do some hooligan events. They do other short track kind of stuff. So yeah, like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. Cool. And I did something stupid today. Oh. Hmm. As opposed to <laughs> yesterday and the day before. No, I got another bike. Oh, it's not a scooter. Uh, you, it's not another scooter. You traded a what? bike for another bike. I did. But you traded a non-running bike for a running bike, right? I did. Um. I mean, I, I'm not going to regret the decision, but I did trade my 72 CB750 Cafe Racer that I spent years building and thousands of dollars on and never got the engine right. And the engine has an oil leak and has to be torn down again. And I hit that emotional, that wall where I'm like, Ugh, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And it's been Move sitting on. here for years in the corner. Um, looking pretty. 
And now for something completely different. So I went and traded it to a friend who was looking for a project. He likes to take uh, bikes into his shed and fix them up. So he's going to tear that engine down, clean it up, and he'll joyfully ride it around his neighborhood. Will be its life. I think it's the equivalent of putting a bike, uh, a, a horse out to pasture. Mm. <laughs> Let him just live their life out, running around. Yep. Um, so I took an 06 uh, Kawasaki Concourse, which I'm calling a 10-year-old, 30-year-old bike. It looks exact. I, I looked and I was like, oh, early 90s. And then I looked at the side and I was like, oh, 2005. <laughs> it says 2005 apparently it's 2006 right. uh it's the last year of the the 1000 concourse it's you know it's got a choke lever and <laughs> no no frills or anything i remember um this is one of the bikes that when i was younger like it was on my list i wanted like back in the early 90s like oh these bikes are so cool back when you're young and confused well <laughs> the sport tour thing it was kind of a new thing to there have is an appeal tour. there is an appeal to that wow. that um, bike i'll say and I mean, I was really into like the GPZs and, and the Ninjas, and and then to have this sporty-looking touring bike, I was like, ah. And I remember um, I went and test rode one in the '90s, and went, what the fuck? <laughs> 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 it was a disappointment to me. It, uh, it back then because basically they made this bike for 20 years unchanged, so it was an affordable touring bike. But uh, it still feels like a bike from the 80s. It's just a big, solid tank. So it's a good straight-line touring bike. It's not a sport bike. I did end up back then getting a BMW because it actually had more of the ergonomics and, and perks for touring. And then, you know, you realize the difference on some of my later BMWs, like my R1150RT, how I could carve the hills with that. You could ride that bike hard and aggressive, and that's a bigger, heavier bike. So these bikes, um, you know, it's it's a thousand cc, but it's heavy. It gets there. The problem I'm having is that um, it doesn't fit me. And I always tell people that finding the right bike is like finding a pair of shoes that fit you. You know, if the shoes are too small, it doesn't matter. If they're the right shoes for the job, it's just not going to work for you. So I need to figure out how to either make this bike comfortable because the legs are really cramped on it. I went and sat on Isaac's <laughs> ST, and I'm like, ooh, this is – I got a little more – you know, just Yeah, not so ugly now, is it? Oh, no, it's still <laughs> wicked ugly. So um, without having to put on like a $400 Corbin seat just to get it and raise it up like two, three inches, I got to figure out, I might just sit on a, strap a phone book to it, <laughs> to the seat. Did you, did you not sit on the spike when you got it? No. Oh, okay. So you're going to, at some point, I, I imagine you're going to flip it before too long. I might just sell it. Uh, the whole point I thought would be if I'm going to, set my versus up for uh, adventure touring bike and put some you know dirt tires on it i don't want to go do an iron butt but yeah I, since you know we're looking at doing some long rides i thought it'd be good to have a long ride bike unfortunately i don't think i can go longer than an hour with my knees bent that much yeah it is a funky angle i think you should just keep the uh the versus really? going as an adventure touring bike no, and I like then just the, get I like a dual sport yeah, okay. I was going to say, I like the dirt tires and the versus, but yeah, dual sport. Either that or you could put, like, highway pegs on the concourse or something. Yeah, I'll play with it. I mean, it's a good running bike. Um, 
So, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of us go through where you just, there's a bike you always wanted, you have it, and then you have it for like a year, and then you just move it on, like, got that out of my system. Yeah, like, same thing, like, early I was like, always looked at the katanas, and they're, yeah, yeah once I started learn, riding bikes and learning about them, I was like, oh, maybe not, but it's still there. Got a bug fetish? What? what the katanas they look like they look like beetles oh, oh okay yeah yeah <laughs> I, I can see that now um and then uh charlie and micah did you guys go to canepa yesterday um, i didn't I he wouldn't yeah. let me come with him because there was a ride after oh, mm-hmm. oh. wow wow Bad things charlie. sure have changed yeah charlie just gave a sideways glance <laughs> it's like did you really just say that yeah um, <laughs> come on well, you charlie, don't want to ride your own bike I can't ride and he doesn't want to ride with you on it yeah. anymore. I know. I just need to like get my ass in gear and get on my own bike again. I got it. I know. Yeah. It's all right. And just uh, to remind people, Canepa is, even though it's a automotive garage and museum, they do have some bikes there. But still, I just get off on the tools in the shop in general. I oh. think that it's so cool. I also, I also get off on the, like, all the bike, all the people that come there and show off their own cars. That's always a good thing to see. Yeah, and then there's a bunch of people gathering in the parking lot, and it's a whole lot of fun. So much fun, in fact. I met Damon there. Yes, you did. Was it just a month ago? It was, yeah, about a month ago. A month ago. Um, yeah, there's people also out in the parking lot who bring their own cars and bikes there and gather. And I saw this nice-looking, it was what, 80, it's an 84 Ninja 84 900. Ninja 900, <laughs> also known as the uh, Top Gun bike. That was actually an 85 in the movie. Come on. Danger zone. Close enough. (laughs) And I I was like, uh, oh, what do we got going on here? And it was a nice looking bike. It was uh, like it's it's, all yeah, it's restored to all restored. Like you see when you're seeing like the stickers on it and stuff, and you're like, okay, what what's going on here? Did somebody pull this out of a showroom, or is this somebody who knows what they're doing and and fixing bikes up? So I just started up conversation. Mm And uh, especially um, because I've been discovering that we have collectors. And I'm not talking about the people who list off all the bikes they have under a tarp in the back. Like, or like stop Leto. Leto. Bagel. Bagel. Or like Leto. Leto. <laughs> None of my bikes are under a tarp. They're all in a garage. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, but somebody who has the ways and means and passion to actually restore bikes and ride them. And uh, it's hard to do and have a lot of bikes and maintain them. So yeah, it's expensive uh, as fuck. It is. So that's why we had William Ow on a few weeks ago. And I'm discovering these collectors. And these are people who you know that they can talk obsessively at length about minutia on their motorcycle. And oh, I hey, can do that. That's the perfect. <laughs> that's who we were looking for. So yeah. So I talked to Damon. Invited him to come down and talk about his bikes so um emma yes you had a chat with him earlier you want to take it from here well you know, generally i'm the one who messes around with old bikes and so i had a lovely chat with damon earlier and we figured out some questions so the listeners can can figure out how you, who you are so the first thing i want you to do List me your bikes. Just okay. list them right now. Okay. Got a, a 73 Z1, Kawasaki Z1. Mm-hmm. Three 1984 Kawasaki ZX750 turbos. Two 84 ZX900 ninjas. 
I have uh, Doug Chandler's 1998 Daytona winning, Super Sport winning uh, ZX6R. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have... A 1990 Kawasaki ZX7, which is kind of a race bike replica thing with a solo tail, and uh, you know, modern, more modern forks right, 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 and right. brake rotors. Uh, I have 91 Bamoda Diechi. I have a 2003 Triumph Daytona 955i, which you're riding which right I'm now. I'm riding tonight. Very yes. handsome bike. Thank you, mm. thank you. I have a 2007 Kawasaki ZX14, which is a custom modified bike with Olin's fork, Brembo brakes, mm-hmm. etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I have uh, a Kawasaki H1R replica. It looks like a race bike from the early 70s. Right. With wow. a custom frame, 500cc triple two-stroke. Right, right, right. <laughs> and uh, I have a 79 Honda CBX, which is a flip, mm-hmm. a flip bike. It will hopefully be sold soon. Now, the 79, is that a twin shock or has that got the monoshock? Twin shock. It's the twin shock, it's so the it's the classic. Year. First year. We need to talk about that bike. Okay. Okay, very <laughs> okay. good. Thing. All right. Um, Wait, and let's, let's cover for people in the room or listeners who don't know what the CBX is. Okay, so if may I? Absolutely. The CBX, the best way to describe it, it was Honda's corporate ego trip <laughs> from <laughs> yes, it was. 1978. Um, it's a twin cam, six cylinder. The design was everything that was modern for Honda in 1978. So they were just flirting with this thing called Euro styling. And the Euro styling meant the first it had um, what were called Comstar wheels. And they're kind of pressed steel and aluminum wheels. They're kind of goofy looking. The early ones were all bright zinc plated and then a couple of years in they kind of reversed them and painted them black but they were still goofy looking um, they had sort of like whale tails on the tail fairing it's 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 actually a very handsome bike but jesus christ they're big it's a truck um, it is big and heavy it is big and heavy and it's just dominated by this huge engine it's all you can see from the front um but it's a wonderful period piece. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. is. It's, it's very much of the time. And it certainly has a unique sound, even with the stock exhaust. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, there you go. That thing is insane looking. Isn't that nuts? I had, I had to look it up on, to, to see what it is. That thing looks nuts. These bikes were supposed to change the future of biking. Like, they really put all their nuts in this basket. Right. Um, I remember at the time... Um, the truth is the CBX was very, very rare, even back in the the late 70s. The 904 was a lot more common, but mm-hmm. it was a lot more affordable. I mean, mm-hmm. CBXs were always expensive. Um, but a wonderful period piece, it, which it, is why we like it. It is. So um, so we got up to the CBX. What else do you have? Uh, or did you cover I it? I think uh, the only other that thing... sounds the, about the 15 only, The only one I didn't cover is uh, I'm currently working on and it's a rolling chassis at the moment right. and i have the engine is a kz1000 superbike replica from okay. back in the day all right it's a rob north an actual rob north kz1000 superbike frame right which they only did about 25 or 30 of those for racers at the time right and it's going to be a street bike when i'm done so just to give everyone a um, brief history of rob north he was an english guy um quite a successful racer um he moved to america and he built frames in the late 60s for the Triumph three-cylinder bikes. It was very, very successful. Um, 
when they stopped being competitive, he started building frames for the Kawasaki four-cylinder bikes and kind of picked up where the Triumphs left off. But they're fantastic frames. They they really are. And again, very much of the time. So, nice. Yes. Nice collection. You like Kawasaki's, I don't do. you? I do. I'm a Kawasaki guy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Where, does he, where does his passion for fast bikes come from? You know, it's. Uh, I got my first seventy uh, three Z one back in nineteen seventy seven. I didn't hear any, any bull tacos in the mix. No, you did not. No, he's, no. he's a street I'm all bike street, guy. All he's street, a street bikes. bike guy. Well, I sup- Yeah, it's all all street bikes, and uh, you know the Kawasaki thing started because a friend of of mine at the time he said, "Hey, let's both get seventy three Z ones." Blah blah blah, and then he segued to some Yamaha, and I said, "I'm still buying that Z one." And I, and I did, and it was a used bike at the time. Uh, and my love of Kawasaki's just kind of started well, then. I, no, I want to go back before then. I want to go... I want to start at the beginning. Okay. That's going back in time We're going to go back in time, Dame. When did you start riding bikes? Well, of course, you know, like a lot of kids, you start out with a mini bike, and then when I first became street legal, uh, I got my dad's uh, tra- Honda Trail 90. Okay. When he when he <gasps> when one. he got when he got his Honda CB 350. Right. Then, of course, I got his CB 350. You know, I inherited that when he got his Honda CB 750. Right, and so on and so forth. And so on and so forth. And then I had that up until the time I got the uh, first 73 Z1. Fantastic. So you, I mean, really, we could say you got your love of biking from your dad. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that at all. Absolutely. So as a small kid, did he take you out on the street on his bikes? He did not. Right. Probably mom had something to say about that. Yeah, there was a concern with that. A neighbor had a gold wing, and I could just jump his fence and go talk to him, but then he'd have to give me a ride all the way around a couple of big blocks to get home. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, and my mom wasn't too keen on that because, of course, that was pre-helmet law days. Very good. Right. So, you're, you've obviously ridden bikes all your adult mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. When did you start being a collector? When did you kind of make that phase from just having a bike or maybe two bikes? Because a lot of people in this room have got a couple of bikes right. or maybe even three. But you're something different. You're a very different animal. You're a you collector. Know, it, it really started when I got my current 73Z1, which was in uh, 2001. Right. And it was a total basket case. But mm-hmm. it was, a, and, and I just tripped over it in the Mercury News. You know, mm-hmm. it just was a, a little ad in the Mercury News. And that's the San Jose no- newspaper, yes. right? Yes. Local yes. newspaper. Local newspaper. Just- wasn't even looking, you know. I'd been thinking about it, but it wasn't. It wasn't it was just kind of perusing the ads, and I saw right, it. Because right, I, right. I called the guy, and it was an early VIN number bike, which is what I would be more interested in. You know, it was the two hundred ninety fourth one ever made, which is the second day of actual production. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So it was a total basket case. Though it was a rusty bent frame and a non-running engine upside down in a cardboard box and a van full of associated parts. Uh, yeah, I've hmm. bought bikes like that. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> the um, I bought a GT seven fifty. Um, from a guy in the Bay Area. And there was the rusty bent frame and the engine in a cardboard box. And he gave me a shovel. And he said, that pile of rusty crap in the corner is your bike. And I literally shoveled it into the back of my pickup (laughs) truck. Because, you know, that's how a lot of these early bikes come. And that is the metal flake tangerine water buffalo that's at the museum you're kidding me yeah so uh, i relate so So you you get the c1 i get get this bike and i thought and i thought i knew a lot about 73 z1s from back when i had one you know years before 
but I got a real education because the van full of associated parts were not the correct parts for an early VIN number bike. Right. There's all these little details that are different. And someone had already pilfered all those out of the mix. Right. Uh. So I spent four years on eBay, you know, every day, several times, Mm -hmm. whenever I had a moment, pop in and search for the thing that I needed at that moment. Right. And, uh, you know, which could be, you know, carbs, lower fork legs, you know, uh, grab handle, grab handle in the back. I mean, just everything. There's all these little detail things that are different. So four years of that and working on it as I could finally turned it into a concourse restoration bike which won the quail motorcycle gathering japanese class in 2012 well done congratulations i I remember seeing your bike very well and it is beautiful um 73 z1 arguably is the most handsome of the lot single front disc Mm -hmm. black hubs right um, paint job, they call it Java, it's more of a chocolate brown. It's a chocolate brown and burnt orange. And the, the, it's, the kind of design on the tailpiece or the tank is meant to uh, mimic a samurai sword, isn't it? I think so, yes. Yeah. You know, people generally kind of refer to it as the teardrop right. shape. It's, it's you know, extremely the extremely handsome bike. It, yes. um, it's very well proportioned. Right, and exactly. It does, and it doesn't feel giant when you're on it. Right. You know, it doesn't have the... It doesn't have the feel of of a, of, a, of some of the big bikes of the time. Even. And you know the, the the thing that's so impressive, you've restored it yourself. I mean, we've had people come in here and they've got a collection, and yeah, this goes here and this goes here, or I give it to my mechanic and it comes back two right. years later it's restored. Just, just incredible you, detail went into it. You're getting your hands dirty. You're doing this stuff. Um, so how anal do you get with these finishes? Oh, very. You know, I mean, just, <laughs> just uh, you know, Japanese zinc-plated uh, bolts at the time, you know, right. the, the period zinc had a silver look to it. Yes. And U.S. current U.S. spec zinc has that blue cast to it that a hardware right. store bolt has. I said, I can't have that. Mm-hmm. So I had all the bolts, you know, silver CAD plated to better replicate, replicate 70s Japanese zinc. This is wow. exactly why I pegged wow. you for this. You are a wackadoo. <laughs> yeah. When you, the people who could talk in that minutia, I love it. I love it. You know, I can tell you. You know, I'll tell you. I'll tell you two other quick little stories. You know, yeah. I was I was on uh, eBay and I saw a battery ground read, uh, battery ground lead cable uh, for sale uh, by. Rick Brett, who is a guy that specializes in Kawasaki triples in the UK, and he called it early production, blah, blah, blah. Well, this battery ground lead was brand new in the wrapper, you know, Kawasaki wrapper, part number on it and everything, and it said Sumitomo 972 on it. My bike was made in September 1972. Wow. So, of course, I had to have the ground lead. <laughs> so, so I just threw a crazy number at it at the end saying I'm g- – and, and, and be aware that it's in the bike in such a way that nobody can see that. Yeah, but you know it. But I know it's there. Yep. So – I threw a crazy number at it. Didn't have to pay that. I just ended up having to beat the next person. What number, who, what who number was, were you who, prepared? To... Oh, I was. I think I threw hundred and fifty dollars at it or something. <laughs> you know, I only ended up having. I just threw a, just a stupid crazy number at it, knowing likely wouldn't have to pay that. And I think I only ended up paying thirty five or forty bucks. So, for you're not married. No. Okay. Okay. Long, <laughs> long, uh, long no, time I, girlfriend. Uh, long calling. time girlfriend. 
uh, okay. married to bikes. 20, 22 years with the same girlfriend, so I guess that qualifies. Okay. So, but we're going to talk about another bike. Okay. Um, and you're, I not know gonna, you, you're not going to make him cry, are you? You got that tone in your voice, am I like? No, I'm not. <laughs> like Montel we're, we're, no, we're, we're, we're going to dig these bikes. <laughs> so very briefly, you mentioned you've got three GPZ 750 ZX750 turbos. ZX750 turbos, yes. Yeah, ZX750 turbos. I cannot even tell everyone the impact these bikes had when they came out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the mid-80s, and Kawasaki just... The styling, they look like the fucking Batmobile. They're amazing-looking <laughs> bikes. But the a lot of the manufacturers tried turbos. Um, Honda never really flirted with it. Suzuki had the XN85 oh, turbo, which uh, didn't... Shut your mouth, the CX. Well, now, hang on. This is before the CX. All right. Suzuki had the XN85. Um, that really didn't work at all. Yamaha had the XJ650 turbo. Then Honda came in with the CX500 turbo, which was kind of janky. The 650 turbo actually was a good bike. But the only one that really worked was the Kawasaki. Yeah. And it was an amazingly good bike. It handled well for the time. Mm-hmm. Bastard's fury, and it's and it's just interesting when it comes on boost because it, it's like a high ho- it's like a high horsepower normally aspirated engine that comes on the cam. Right, mm-hmm. it just lunges when it comes yeah. on the boost. It so gives it, you that big kick in the butt. It, but the one I want to talk about, and I know you've got a completely restored one, and so yes. I'm sure some of the techniques you employed on the Z1, but I don't want to talk about that one. Okay, I want to talk about the other one. Right. That's that's VIN number zero 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 one. It's the first one ever. Why? Why is this bike not in a museum? How in, did you find it? Well, here, here's here's at Kawasaki. Kaw, Kaw, Kawasaki, they slipped up and someone put it on the loading dock out back accidentally because Kawasaki keeps the first one of everything. And you wow. pulled up in your pickup lickety split and it was gone. Well, I yeah, <laughs> I if I wish I did because if if I did it would still look like it's brand new. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story I got from the person that I bought it from is that it it somehow got Fell off the loading dock. Im- imported <laughs> into the states, became a regular street bike in New York state. Wow. That owner had it for a long time, had a couple of tip-overs at parking lot speed, you know, scratched the mufflers, dented the, you know, just just cracked the bodywork, you know, so on and so forth. And uh, that person eventually passed away, and the person that I bought it from, who was in Oklahoma City, bought it from his estate. And he had it for some period of time and wanted the moon for it when he finally went to sell it. And how I even found out about it is a friend of his, unbeknownst to the owner, put it on eBay, hmm. uh, thinking that if he sold it for him, sold it for his friend, he'd get a big commission. Yeah, some friend. <laughs> so, so the owner found out about it and, and squashed the eBay uh, listing. But I contacted the guy who listed it through the, through the auction, and he told me that story and ultimately gave me the current owner's name and phone number. So we had the six-month back-and-forth thing where, eh, I want to sell it, I don't want to sell it. If I sell it, I'd sell it for this amount of money, blah, blah, blah. Then a, a business need came you know, up in his life where he mm. needed some money. So he contacted me again. We've been staying in touch the whole time. Contacted me again, and we came to a number, which was still a ridiculous, crazy number considering the condition of the bike because it needs everything. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I 
sent them the money and had the bike shipped out here and i've had it for a little less than a year now and uh had been acquiring some parts for my restoration but i want to talk about the story you got a bunch of parts oem oem parts nos parts nos parts in a very convoluted way and there is tragedy in this yes, story there is but what? yeah there is tragedy in this story so pre- prepare yourself i asked if right? you were going to make him cry no well, you, you, you might make me cry um oh then tell it please tell the story because okay. we want to see liza cry i don't think liza has cried since 1976 there there was a company 82. there was a company in gallatin tennessee called horsepower unlimited run by a gentleman named mike chestnut and he'd had this company for 20 plus years, you know, helping people with restorations, doing modifications, you know, the whole, the gamut of what can be done with the 750 Turbo. And I talked to him on May 2nd about helping me with a longtime customer. That's this yeah. year? Yes. Right. I'd known him for years anyway and bought many things from him here and there. And I talked to him on May 2nd this year about helping me with VIN number one. The restoration of that you know and with parts that i and he was happy to do so and i sent him some pictures of of my other restored concourse bike he responded to me on the morning of may 3rd saying great just make a list of the parts you need beautiful bikes you know thanks for sending me the pics blah 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 then he went out on that that day and got killed on a motorcycle oh, now that's the yeah. tragedy and anytime anybody dies on a bike i mean it, it it's heartrending it's tragic but wait how was the bike the number one bike so this was this was this was on his own on bike his, on, on so it own. didn't affect the past on his own yes but he the way he died was extremely unusual you would get, wasn't it you would get hit by lightning 10 times before anything happened to you this way he got hit by a startled turkey buzzard oh geez which, oh, wow which, which are the b-52s of birds you know yeah. they are very big <laughs> and lumbering and take a long time to gain any speed and altitude and something startled one and it flew across the road and hit him in the head. Oh, jeez. So that was, and I didn't find out about that until I was at uh, a vintage Japanese motorcycle event in June. You didn't put that buzzard there, did you? I did not. (laughs) He was a great guy. Great guy. And uh, so I contacted his uh, father and told him who I was and told him that I'd been talking to Mike about helping me with, uh, you know, restoring VIN number one. And he was more than happy to have me come out and take a look through what Mike had in the shop. And I acquired all kinds of, you know, OEM, you know, fairings, gas tanks, body panels, you know, just an endless assortment of all the stuff that I needed to restore this bike. And he was very grateful that someone was interested in coming out and helping him with a task right that, that mm-hmm. he didn't didn't really want to so, handle so yeah. how um in terms of parts how far short are you now for the bike not very it's going to be the finish sort of things where the the, the plating of the bolts it, and the things uh, yeah you know. and the battery cable right and, and and the bike only has seven thousand miles on it right. but oh my gosh it's a harsh a hard seven thousand miles okay mm-hmm. when yeah. when are you expecting it to be finished you know i am trying to create a little more space in my shop life uh, yeah yeah it's mainly just you know i've, I've got to sell a couple of things 
Uh, including that CBX. Including that CBX. Oh, and one bike I completely forgot to mention, which is the a real space sucker-upper. <laughs> it's a Honda 250 Rebel with a sidecar on it, and I built the sidecar <laughs> from scratch. <laughs> oh, dear God. Yeah. Um, you know, I built that for my dad. Okay. And and the, the quick story about that was he was 82 years old, and he's saw this other older gentleman ride up in front of the coffee shop where we'd meet for coffee. And uh, he'd say, you know, I think I'm going to get myself another bike. And he started looking through the, the paper. He was right. seriously going to go out and buy a motorcycle at 82 years old after being awesome. off of so it that's, for 20 years. That's that speed triple's looking pretty sweet. But, but uh, you know, we just didn't want him to do it because, you know, he had some other health issues. Right, right, and right. So I built, I bought, I kind of held them off while I bought this Honda 250 Rebel and built the sidecar for it so he could go to the grocery store and do his shopping and get a little... Excitement of being on the road again without actually the potential of, of tipping over and hurting himself. I have a 250 Rebel story. Um, <laughs> I mean, the 250 Rebel, you talk about a bike like your Connie that's been in production forever. I mean, the, the Rebel is completely unchanged in mm-hmm. 30 years. Yep. Most Honda, Yamaha, Kawasaki production for the smaller bikes is moving away from Japan. If you mm-hmm. buy um, an R3, made in thailand mm. if even if you buy a honda cbr 300 some are made in china some are made in thailand so on and so forth the 250 rebel is still made in japan and among honda employees if you work on the 250 line it's very much considered the pinnacle of your career they choose the absolute best of the best the seasoned if you get picked to assemble Honda Rebels on the line, 250 Rebels, you really are considered a very, very good Honda employee. That's how important that model is to Honda. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of people who start, because it's a global model. It's unchanged in 30 years, but it's unchanged in every single country in the world. It's the same bike. Is it just because it's like so easy to work with? <laughs> like, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like I mean, seniority. It's, it's, it's like I'm done with all that other crazy no, stuff. No, I mean that. it's 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 Honda consider it an extremely high quality bike, um, and you know it's it's very important <laughs> part of the lineup. I think that Micah right now is regretting buying that GS and thinking, oh man, what I really want is a Rebel with a sidecar. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> really? Well, you so, can't. GS you, is a wonderful bike. You can't you just heard us talk on about it. Rebels too much. <laughs> Okay, so time's getting on. So I've got a couple more questions for you. Obviously, you and me, we know how to restore bikes. We've been doing it for a long time. So for somebody out there who's thinking about restoring their first bike, I don't even know where to start. Um, well, first off, pick a bike you're passionate about. Just it, don't just don't pick a bike. Right, exactly. You you have to have some kind of connection with the bike, because especially if it's your first one, it's going to be apart for a long time. Yeah, you're going to go out in the garage and you're going to think, oh fucking hell, it's just <laughs> I've been on this thing now for months and it hasn't even moved. What the hell? I've seen your garage too. Yeah, you, you know the Goldwing is sitting on its wheels now. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, um, pick a bike you're passionate about. I like to break it down into th- this month we're just going to work on the frame or the swing arm. You know me and swing arms. 
if you approach the whole thing, it can be kind of intimidating. It, can't it? it definitely can be. If you yeah, you, you want to focus on a thing, and then you focus on another thing, and another thing, and then eventually it'll be done. Right. But, then you, but, but you, each little thing is not so overwhelming that you just right. go, oh my God, what have I got myself into? And so into? rather than dealing with two or three thousand bits, eventually you, you, you end up with four or five big bits. Right. And then you can just assemble it into the whole stand back at my exactly. work and right off into the sunset. And then you have to decide on whether you want a true concourse restoration type bike or whether you want a really nice rider. Right. That that you're not so incredibly you know, it's it's amazing how we just thrashed the crap out of stuff back in the day when we were young. But now if I'm out on the seventy three Z one, you know, it's like Every little bug that hits it, you know, right. you know, clean it off immediately. You know, it's kind and of I'm I'm going to put crazy. I'm going to put some numbers on this. The difference between an old bike and a very very nice rider is about ten thousand dollars. But yes. the difference between a very nice rider and a concourse exhibit is another fifteen to twenty. It's yeah, the details can get expensive yeah you know when you're when you're going to be really anal about it and just have everything just be crazy it is very easy to throw twenty thousand dollars at an old japanese motorcycle yeah. extremely easy now yeah. yeah and and i'm when glad, you get up to that standard and i'm glad i'm not doing it now right. because i see the prices of stuff on ebay that i paid x for then and it's x times four or five yeah. right because you know? it's it, it, it's a very much a finite supply things are getting <coughs> Things are getting old. Yes. I've got a question for you because you mentioned eBay, using eBay a lot. But haven't you been doing this since before eBay? Yes. So where did but, you source your parts before? You know, just a lot of personal contacts. And there there are, you know, still Cycle Savage places right. where, you know, that, that do focus on older bikes. You know, you can put a uh, put the word out. Uh, and, you know, it seems like the salvage yards all stay in touch with each other. And they'll, you know, communicate to find your part. Right. And as far as the new parts go, you know, back in the old days before eBay, if you were manufacturing new parts for either British bikes or, you know, European stuff, because back then the Japanese bikes, people still weren't that interested right. in them. Um, you'd send off for a catalogue and you'd get a catalogue and it'd list everything they had. I mean, some of these things look like friggin' telephone books. And every part they had would be listed with a with a price, and you'd and write your check, send it off. About four or five weeks later, your bitter arrive, and it's like shit. It's the wrong bit, <laughs> you know. And that can happen, yes. And and although, you know, you try and use as many OEM parts as possible, and I and I did, right. you know, and I do, you know, in some cases, you're just forced into using a replica part just because there are no. And and nowadays there are quite a few replica parts for Japanese bikes, for right. older Japanese bikes. So we're going to wind it up. This question we ask all our guests, and I think I know what you're going to answer. But <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm, so. I have no idea where we're going. <laughs> how many? How many? How many of your bikes run? Uh, virtually, let's see. The only. One that doesn't, of course, is the KZ1000 Superbike Project, which is right. not completely Which is still a yet, project. Which is yeah, still a these project. These are running bikes. Uh, and then, uh, actually, the VIN number one turbo is a complete bike, but it doesn't run at the right. moment. because it can. So those are about the only two. So Awesome. Money, no object. What is your up-the-butt bike? 
I would say uh, Motosis C1. <laughs> That has been deemed a butt-worthy bike. Definitely, yes. on more than one occasion. Mm-hmm. And if it was something that was a little more attainable, I'd have to say a Bomoda KB1. Yeah, okay. I'm kind of, yeah. Yeah, well, you are a Kawasaki I'm guy. I'm a Kawasaki guy. I've yeah. got a long association with Suzuki, so it'd have to be an SB2 there you for go. me. Okay. But, um, yeah, Understood. Bomoda KB1. Yep. Wow, wow, wow. And the Bomoda I have, you know, is cool, but I'd still like the older Kawasaki. So, I have a request. When you have finished 750 Turbo Mm -hmm. number one, Mm -hmm. would you bring it down to show us? Absolutely. Because Emma Emma wants to race. Yeah, I am. I am gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna race him. What do you bring? What do you bring in the concourse? I'm gonna race him on the fucking concourse. I don't care. High heels. I always wear high heels when I ride bikes. You know that, darling. I know. Except when they're in your mouth. (laughs) Liza's gonna kick me out. And quite rightly too. Um, Yeah, please. And um, it would be wonderful to see it. And you'll see my current. Very, very nice one sooner. Yes, yeah. I would very much like right. um, the the two bikes I've seen of yours so far. Trust me, you can eat your lunch off any component of these bikes. They are super I, clean. I do keep them clean. Yeah, um, that Triumph is extremely handsome, as is the Bomoda. So, yeah, you saw good. the Bomoda a couple of weeks ago. Saw yeah. the Bomoda a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Yep, you're not going to miss that in a hurry. It is bright yellow. I want to know more about uh, techniques. How much stuff are you outsourcing? How much stuff are you doing yourself? Well, you know, I do all the mechanical work. Uh, You know, certain things just need to be outsourced to the experts, like the body work. Right. You know, for example, the again, just talking about the 73Z1, the early bikes were a different a different paint combination than the more common darker of course they're all candy colors but Mm -hmm. to the naked eye the the more mainstream bike is a darker brown like root beer brown for example and then the orange teardrop shape on the bike the earlier bikes the brown still all candy of course uh but it's a lighter brown there's only one guy in the world that paints the early and late combination since my bike is an early vin number bike i have to go and get to have him do it there's just okay. no one that does you can, you can get the the later more common darker brown and, and orange paint scheme uh from several sources right but he's the only one that does it early and so, what sorry what are you doing for things like uh like decals there are uh there's a company called reproduction decals uh where you can go on their website and and pretty much get all the 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 informational warning stickers yep. uh badges you know just any, I'm, anything anything I'm, I'm gonna give a plug for reproduction decals they are cool. super nice they're people. very complete too um incredibly complete um there's kind of a glitch in their site in that you have to look for honda decals they're there but you have to really search for them um and i was told by um i can't remember the the wife's name there's a legal reason for that because honda are being a bit fruity about <laughs> it but it is an incredibly complete catalog and they, they are super nice people and the prices ain't bad they're very reasonable mm. yeah yeah um generally a graphic set for a, a tank side panels it runs about 120 bucks so you get your your stuff painted you bang the decals on back to your painter and it gets a ton of clear coat over it and it looks jolly good really 
So have you um, developed or built any of your own specialty tools that you're using? You know, I haven't, I, I can't really say that I've needed a quote-unquote specialty tool to do anything that I've done. You know, you always find a way to do it with conventional, you know, regular tools, hand tools or or power tools of are, some kind. Are you doing your own, like, bead blasting and stuff like that? I have done that. A uh, lot, of, lot of work, bead blasting, uh, you know, cases, cylinders, mm-hmm. heads, and it's it's shocking how... I found that no matter how many golf tees and <laughs> rubber plugs and stuff, you think mm-hmm. you've got bases ah, covered. So you, then you do your thing, then you go get them powder painted, and then you still end up spending, you know, five weekends, you know, getting all the sand out of out of various places in the engine that you couldn't possibly believe it it got into. So I had to do that before I put the before I put the engine back together. It was just right. shocking how long it took to you had to clean, keep hosing everything out with water, running water through all these, you know, uh, oil galleys and whatnot, and then you put some air on it, and still little sand comes yeah. out, and you mm. go, "Oh my god!" Now I seem to remember those turbo bikes had a very glossy finish on the engine, or at least on the outer cases. It was almost like a black chrome. Yes, it's a, it's 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 a high gloss, very very glossy. high gloss black. Yeah. Yes. On the, ca- like on the a, engine cases. Yeah, with like a satin on the on the case halves and the cylinder. And the, the cylinders the are satin with polished yeah. edges on the right, fins. Right, 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 right. And then, but the you know regular alternator, you know, you know stator cover yeah. and, and you know sprocket uh, countershaft cover. All those are high gloss black. Right. Yes. What, what would you say is your favorite tool? Hmm. You can answer bottle of gin. <laughs> my favorite tool <laughs> don't can't 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 think of a, of a favorite tool though little, little hand grinder you know works really well for Bo- me but bottle opener like, oh, like, oh oh the uh like my a, favorite tool is the uh polisher i love polishing oh, oh god i but, love so what, polishing as well so what are you using are you using like a buffing wheel or yeah, a dremel just buffing wheel hmm. yes yeah that's really fun to 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 take something and you know, I've done it by hand as well, where I, in, in the case on the Z1 mm-hmm. again, you know, some early case or early uh, sprocket uh, countershaft cover, it had a big gouge in it. Look how excited he's getting. And he's getting all fired I, up. And I, I, started, I started with the 36 grit paper, right. you know, sanding this gouge out of it, getting everything down to a common level. You know, then you go to your, you know, your 100 grit, right. your, two, your 180, whatever, and you work your way down to where you're finally at 600, 1500, and then the polish. You know, and, it, and it, sometimes it can take a whole weekend just to do a single, a single cover mm-hmm. when you're doing it that way. And in the case of the Z1, all the, all the covers were done by hand. Right. Wow. Every this is a true enthusiast because that yeah. is the only way to polish aluminium darling (laughs) (laughs) yes you just go at it um if you've got gouges yeah you better get the really heavy stuff out but if it's just pitting you're still there with like 200 grit Mm -hmm. you better get those pits out oh yeah and it looks like hell and then you go to 300 and it looks a little better than 400 bit up 600 now you're getting something Mm -hmm. and then you do 1500 wet and mm-hmm. then you finish with 1500 dry and then you pull out the mother's polish and then the mother's <laughs> polish and then you get it on the buffing wheel right. and it's it's very time but it's very but, rewarding yeah. i'm doing all i'm doing all the stuff on the goldwing right now and my fingers are going flat and i'm oh. 
you know. But. It is rewarding to see the change and the progress, though. And oh, yeah. It, it's, that, that's fun. I have so, a, I have yeah, a question ahead. real quick. Um, you, you mentioned that it, it does cost a good bit of money to do a full Conquest restoration. Are there any tips or tricks that you can offer okay. to make those ends meet? Because I, I have this burning desire to restore several of my bikes, but I don't have the means to do it. Mm. So Plasma donation. <laughs> um, that's a good idea. You know, um, Bagel, I can answer your question. You gotta thin the herd, honey. Oh, you got yes. you got two kids. Working kidneys. on it. Working you on gotta it. thin the herd because if you I've been where you're at. Mm -hmm. I've had ten, fifteen but hang on, I've got ten or fifteen bikes in my garage <laughs> right now. <laughs> but you you can't have a great quantity of bikes that need restoration mm -hmm. and expect to do them all. What right. you have to do is you have to sacrifice a couple of them mm -hmm. and use that money to raise to put the into the others. To put in, it's the only way it's yeah. done. Yeah. So, Damon, do you just do one project at a time? Uh, I should. You know, but I've got I've got a I've got a couple of things that I'm going to be working on simultaneously. Now I've got the KZ1000 Superbike project, and then I'm going to do the 750 Turbo Number One, and uh, the Doug Chandler Daytona Supersport race winning bike. It's been a it's been a, a track day slash club bike, you know, in its more most more recent life, and I'm bringing it back to where it looks like Doug Chandler's Muzzy race bike from 1998. Oh, you know, so I've got all fresh body work for it and uh, had the engine rebuilt already. Right. Uh, you know, all new Kawasaki OEM parts. You know, that was, you know, an expensive little bit of parts right there. I, so are, are there any are there any bikes that you have been kind of keeping your eye on that are going to be upcoming collectibles? You know... You know, like for me, like I've been watching the CB450. The CB450 was an unloved bike for many, many years. Yes, it the was. Twin, the twin cam, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And now I'm like, you know, I, God, I wish I could find one now. Right. That you're right. They they never owned one, but I understand they vibrated a lot, and people mm -hmm. they didn't weren't mm -hmm. all that well balanced, and people right. didn't like them. But yes, I would have to agree that that's certainly an upcoming collectible bike. Or, yeah. What are some you, What are some others? Some of the. Well, I mean, it's it's actually come up a little already, you know. But for uh, a long time, the the CB four fifty F, the little four cylinder four hundred. Mm, oh yeah, of course. You know, that's really come a long way in just the last three or four years as far as collectability. Uh, you know, and even you know, when I was restoring the Z one, you know, for example, KZ nine hundreds and KZ one thousands were a dime a dozen. It didn't matter how right. nice they were, but I'm seeing those beginning to march up in price as well primarily because you know the 73 4 and 5 you know z1s are kind of becoming unattainable right you know uh and so so, so therefore you know there develops a market for 76 kz 900 which was a little bit unloved and even the 77 and 78 kz 1000s which are even a little more unloved because they're only a two exhaust two muffler bike well what about the kz 1300 the, no, this is like the cbx gets all the spotlight yes a friend of mine has one uh and i've ridden it it's it's it, it's, it's a brute it's a brute so when honda came out with the cbx the six cylinder was supposed to change the world and then kawasaki came out with the kz 1300 six cylinder and the cbx is a very collectible bike and the kawasaki 
you rarely see not not so right. much because it doesn't you know it's it's a shaft drive bike mm-hmm. which somehow just in general terms of collectible bikes you know they seem to be the more sporty version of things um how does your concourse distribute its drive is that with a shaft drive? It's shaft. Yes. Oh dear. Yeah. I haven't even looked at it. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. If I did it. If particularly, you see it if there's a shaft drive and chain drive mm-hmm. version of something that's very similar, like the 1979 Kawasaki KZ1000 yeah. Mark II. Yes. Versus the ST, which is this came out the same year. You know, the Mark IIs now are starting to command really right. good money for a nice one. But and yet, ST. an ST is just but kind of, you know, not. I'm going to kind of simplify this. Um, if any of our listeners out there have KZ 1300s, I'm desperately sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the CBX is a very handsome bike. Yeah. Uh, KZ 1300 is actually quite fucking ugly. It's a it's big, heavy. it's heavy and it's, boxy. Thi- it's thick looking. It it's just looks thick, thick yes, and heavy. It's, it is. I'm not curious. I'm curious if you have your eye on any of the bikes, like say from the 90s, like CBR it's 900 exactly or, or, or Ducati 916. Um, you know, if you if you know something that maybe is still attainable. You know that that someone could buy now that's a little bit easier to find parts for, etc. That might be you know fifteen twenty years from now. Or well, collectible. Well, yeah, I hate like to tell you the this, but you, and stuff you, like that. you can count out the Ducatis because you're not going to be able to get the parts from them. Right. Ducati have no interest in making parts for anything over ten years old. You can't even get parts no for modern Ducatis. Yeah, it, yeah. Thank you. So, is there anything from the '90s that you think is gonna? have potential i think the the cbr the 900 the r yeah yeah, yeah that was yeah. a groundbreaking bike yeah or the r1 uh, you know, I I kind of like I kind of like the early R ones, right? You know, they just had they're great looking, they're bikes. great looking oh bikes. Oh my god, yeah! Before you the know, alien head, ninety eight. <laughs> you know, certainly certainly before the underseat exhaust. You know, the first like ninety eight, ninety nine. Right. Very sexy bike. I'm a know. fan of Undertale. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well. I, I appreciate that you came down to share this with you, because where can people see your fine collection? Well, you know, I, I do show things occasionally. They at, can't. At, That's at, the point. They can't. At, at an event, you know. <laughs> oh, uh, mine, 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 mine. But, uh, <laughs> but maybe you'll let some of us come up to see your Oh, sure. Absolutely. Hey, there oh, we thank go. you. Absolutely. There's that invite. <laughs> what, you, what you can't see is he is shaking his head no. <laughs> no. He's saying yes I am the not microphone. doing that. <laughs> He's got this panic look in his face right now. Oh my god! I do try and keep somewhat of a low profile with all the stuff in my garage, sure, but uh, I understand. but uh, you guys are welcome anytime. We'll no, set thank you. Thank no, you. I'd cool. love. We'll try um, not to drool on it. Really cool. <laughs> no, I, I sense you're the type of person who can just talk and talk and talk about bikes, and that's kind of what we are. So hopefully you'll come down and hang out with us. Some yeah, absolutely. More. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, and but I love too that you get a lot of collectors who get very narrow in their field of what they're collecting and restoring, and you're kind of across the board. I mean, you've got more modern sport bikes, and you got the vintage, you know, muscle. Um, so it's it's cool to get somebody who's you know pretty, I, pretty vast. Yeah, I'm mainly a Kawasaki guy, but I do diversify things a little bit. You know, in, in the the. Bomoda, it's a Yamaha, it's a Yamaha-based engine. It's a a YB10. The Y, of course, stands for Yamaha. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I've just always loved Triumph Triples. They have that that wonderful canvas-tearing sound 
to right. the engine you know when you're when you're when it's on the boil i just love love the triple mm-hmm. so, so it's a it's a very um how would you describe it lusty engine it is it's a great engine it's a great engine it's one of the it's one of the great sounds of biking well cool well i hope we'll get you down here more in the future and let's continue talking about this and uh maybe we can get you to join us next week at the moto talbot museum oh yeah a distinct possibility you that haven't been be down really there cool. yet have i you? have not hmm. i have not um every bike has a story so he uh rob talbot he's he's our our people <laughs> well i love a good story so i'll have to exactly. come down exactly so Damon, thank you my pleasure thank, thank you thank you so for much. thank you for asking it was fun so we're gonna cover some emails because wow we got a lot of emails again i i love the love that we're getting so um yeah. i'm gonna start with one this is from uh, well Steve and Cynthia or I guess just Steve but I says hey guys new fan because of that Walking Dead guy <laughs> I'm uh, 40 years young lover of bikes never been on a road bike but last year picked me up a Mint 87 KDX 200 to dirt ride and loving it and we all know that is the gateway drug mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I dream of getting on the road and just look at all of the styles and options I'm a street tracker fan a cafe fan a triumph fan but i love the style of roland sands harleys Mm -hmm. The funny thing is, I'm not a fan of the cruiser, you know, the Harley type. They're everywhere up here in uh, British Columbia, but to each their own. Um, Are these cafe street tracker Harleys cool? I'm a fan because I believe in being the goat rather than the sheep. I'm not a hipster. I'm blue-collar bridge man that hipsters dress like. (laughs) 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 Keep up the great podcast. I listen on my way to work. Cheers from Steve. Thanks, Steve. That's a great email. So you you dressed like hipsters before hipsters were cool? Right. OG hipster. And it's so funny. I mean, yes, Roland Sands doesn't just work with Harleys. He works with a lot of bikes. Mm -hmm. He's just a great designer. Um, and I appreciate Roland Sands because he works with so many different bikes. Um, but he just makes beautiful stuff. We had a Roland Sands bike here at the garage. Yeah, we did a BMW, yeah. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. the, that Norman right. was on. But I've seen those Harley was so sexy. It was, it was. sexy it as you know what. But I've seen those bikes he's talking about. I think they're cool. I think they're wicked cool. I wish they would come out with more big V-twin bikes, kind of with that setup. Nice. What do you got, Isaac? All right, so this is from... Uh, Daria it says, "Hey, a bunch of misfits." So you guys, I uh, don't. You, you remember Daria? Yeah, she, from, from Japan. From Japan. Word, Daria. Yes. She goes back back no, in the I day. No, I thought. Yeah, she, wasn't she a cartoon in the nineties? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, but she's adorable. Alrighty. So it's been about a year since I met up with you guys at the Dirt Bag. I've worn my recycled T-shirt proudly, and it yeah. has been a loyal companion on many an adventure. Nice. The most recent being that I just finished. Uh, one that I just finished in the good old U.S. of A. Almost four thousand miles of riding camping on a 46-year-old motorcycle from Cali to Nebraska. Right on. Yeah, I started not so far from you guys, so I really wanted to stop in, but time constraints forced me to ride from SF to Portland in one day on a 46-year-old motorcycle. Wow. Wow. Needless to say, the West Coast part of the trip was a bit rushed. My machine of choice was a 1971 CB450K4 that I found on Craigslist. When I go to pick it up, it turns out the guy that modded slash restored it is the same guy that won a bunch of the awards at Dirtbag... Huh. where we were last year. How funny. Uh-oh. What are the chances? <laughs> cool. 
one of them was sketchiest build award so you can probably imagine <laughs> you can probably imagine that i lost a bit of confidence when i heard that so i'm like great i'm buying a bike built by a guy that is renowned for surviving 100 miles on a self-built death trap at least you know we made it there this but is yeah, clearly the end so for those who don't know and maybe jonathan you want to come with us because it's coming up soon uh dirtbag challenge is a biker build-off up in san francisco it's a budget build-off they can spend no more than i believe it's a thousand dollars yeah like three and months build or something? amazing bikes some is, of them look sketchy some of them look amazing is that, does that, is that including that, the bike yeah yes, yes. wow <laughs> and then and then and then they do a 100 mile ride on it yeah it has to finish the ride i mean so it's like the opposite of everything they bikes does. on craigslist they don't yep. run or something yep yep, yep. And it's a great event. It's a lot like of fun. Punk rock bands and burnouts and total mayhem in the streets. Mm-hmm. That sounds like my kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like Naked sidecar willies. A lot of stunts. <laughs> so I got about half the email left. Um, but he was such a rad dude and did an awesome job on the bike and sincerely cared about me surviving the trip, so all was good in the end. I got to catch up on some Eminem podcasts while I rode, which made me smile a lot. It's so great to hear more of Emma on the show. What a lady. <laughs> oh. My goal in life used to be to become a human motorcycle encyclopedia, but now I just want to be Emma. Oh. Thanks for all the oh. Thanks. Wow. Nice. Good luck. Thanks for all the laughs, info, and entertainment. Yeah, drink more gin. Drink more gin. <laughs> warm gin. I'll, I'll finish. <laughs> no, gin is evil. Please right drink warm bottle. gin. I'll finish with some words of wisdom I've gained from this I'm trip. Drink some warm gin. I thought I knew a lot about motorcycles before this trip. I realized I knew shit. I've learned more in these past few months than in all the years that I've been tinkering. So best way to up your mechanical skills is to pack a toolkit, a shop manual, and go. Hell yeah. There is no better motivation for learning than being stuck on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. True that. I tried to put some pictures of this trip up on Instagram, so if you want to check out uh, some of my trip, my thingy is at Ride Everywhere. That's Ride Everywhere with like the two E's in the middle. Uh, Word on the street is that you guys now have an Instagram and YouTube updates, so I'm looking forward to checking y'all out there. I heard that we do. I I didn't know we had an Instagram. Yeah, (laughs) I didn't know we had an Instagram. Hugs for all, Daria. P.S. Any news on the Chickistan trip? Keep me updated and let me know if I can help with anything. Hey, Daria. Yes, it's still happening. I think it's going to be next September, and I believe Emma is going to be coming. I am indeed going to be going. um, Daria, you are still on the list. I'm going to be putting that together soon. Oh, um, we are going to be so bad. It's going to be so much fun, but I'm looking forward to it. Hey, what do you okay. got, Bagel? Ride that. Oh, I thought that was a raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> or a possum. Possum in my pants. So I have an email from Alex Road. Uh, he says, I thought I would share my new projects. Alex writes, Hey, Misfits. I've been listening to the show for a few years and always love having a fresh podcast ready for Mondays. I'm writing to you from the only state where you can get a Harley Davidson branded license plate to match your Harley F-150 pickup, the home of Harley-Davidson itself, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's true. He sent a picture. It's a Harley wow. logo on the license plate. Yep. Can you get it like a Harley Davidson toilet seat too? Oh, I'm oh, sure you can. <laughs> my, he says my Yamaha FZ8 and my girlfriend's Moto Guzzi V7 Racer don't quite fit in with most of the bikes here, but a good time is still had by all. Uh, hearing about all of the ongoing projects is always a treat. I thought I would share some pictures of the latest projects I picked up a few weeks ago. 
two Sundays oh, right. <laughs> two Sundays ago, I drove my buddy's truck 15 miles south of us and came home with a small army of CT-70s in various oh. stages. Oh, oh, no. Nice. <laughs> Enough frames and parts to rebuild three back-to-factory spec oh. and one red- running and riding with no chrome bits. I also have a 110cc Chinese pit bike that will be donating its engine to the first of the trails to go up on the bench. The goal is to get at least two of them running and riding over the winter, focusing on just the mechanical and electrical parts. Then, as we get into spring, I will tear them down for sandblasting and painting. As they come along, we are going to stud tires on the Trail 70 with a 110cc engine for riding on the frozen lake. Awesome. Nice. And these things, I looked at the pictures, the condition is not good on these. I mean, these are buckets. They they need shovels. But I will say... If you want it and pay for the shipping, I have a, a original Honda uh, engine here from my XL70. So mm. it's got the clutch, Ooh. which oh. the Trail 70s don't. Mm. Yeah. And it's sitting on a shelf here. If you want it, mm. contact me. I will give it to you for that project. Sweet. I want to see those going. Nice. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. What you got, Adrian? So uh, this is from Ken. Hey, uh, Ken. Yeah, he's like, hey, Misfits. I just wanted to let you know how much I appreciate Emma, darling, being on the podcast. Oh, Your laugh, stories, and mechanical knowledge add a great deal to an already awesome podcast. <laughs> but it is her passion for motorcycles and motorcycling that I enjoy the most. True that? Here, here. Or maybe it's our mutual love of bandits. <gasps> <gasps> did he say bandits? He yes. did. I he just t- had an accident. He touched the spot. Yeah. <laughs> you touched my G spot, Kenny boy. <laughs> I thought it would be the B spot, though. As a previous owner of a 1986 Jixxer 1100, I know the power and simplicity of that engine. Mm -hmm. My next bike will most likely be a Bandit 12 with the whole Dale Walker catalog thrown in. Anyway, I hope she remains a regular on the podcast for a long time. I don't know. Next time I come across a special bottle of gin, I will send it your way. Oh, Ken, darling. I'm so in love with you. Um, There's Bombay right next to her. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, um, Dale Walker runs a company called Whole Shot Performance. Mm -hmm. And if you like bandits, you'd better go on to Whole Shot. He's got everything. And the thing I like the most about Whole Shot He's addressing the whole bike. I mean, it's not just how to make your Bandit have more power. It's how to make it brake, how to make it handle, and these are well thought out. So, um, Ken, love you. Dale Walker, love you too. Cool. Is there there a PS on that? Yes, there is. I was getting into it. So, thanks, Ken. (laughs) How did you know? (laughs) Uh, PS, I was shrimping before shrimping was cool. Oh, dude. Oh, shrimping and warm gin. You are making Emma uh, blush. Ken, yeah. Ken, you, I must have missed a podcast. But are, are you married, that. Ken? <laughs> <laughs> so I have one. We actually got uh, two emails this week from our good friend Sheila Sheila's, in Texas. She's more hey, than a good friend. Sheila. Yeah, Sheila's so, part of the, the Misfits family for sure. I'm going to read the first one because this is a short one, and this is pretty cool. She just said, hey, have you guys seen the new 2017 Van Van from Suzuki? Yes. I'd yes. probably <laughs> be a buyer if I could reach the ground. <laughs> oh, those So are for cool. those who don't know, so the Van Van, it looks, it's it's like um, Suzuki's version of a T-Dub. Yeah, yeah um, we We've got one in the showroom. Was it good? Like four or five grand yeah. new, something like that. So yeah, it's, it's cheap. It's, a, yeah. it's cheap and cheerful. It looks like it's a, a forty-five hundred base price. It's a big wheel, two hundred cc dual sport. It looks basically. fun, but it has a retro kick to it, which is what's cool. And I'm yeah. really loving this retro thing that's happening. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, cool. It looks Thanks. like trouble. It's <laughs> um, it's got a nice seat with like white piping on. It is very retro. It's very very retro. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Interesting it, looking bike. It does look good. And uh, good. yeah, so Sheila, you know, followed up with some more emails, and we've known Sheila for a while. So thanks for writing in. And uh, she really, you know, embodies a lot of the stuff we do here. So a couple of things that that she has going on norm, uh, recently is she had to go into the store and pick up a front rear sprocket chain and a petcock. So new guy in the parts department, and uh, she looks on his name tag, and he's from California. So cool. She is going to get exceptional service from this young man because he's um. coming from where real motorcyclists come from. <laughs> and also real stoners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe that's the category this guy rolls out in. So anyway, you know, she makes some small talk, and uh, so he goes find the sprocket, and then he comes back with the sprockets and a cam chain. And she's kind of like, uh, he, she thought she would have put, you know, the one-on-one together and come back with a normal change, which is what she's looking for. So that happens. Then he's looking for a petcock, and he's kind of looking speechless at her, like... He comes back with a rooster? Yeah. It's <laughs> 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 yeah, gonna, anyway, I, I'll just leave that alone. Uh, so... He says, petcock on the drive shaft? shaft? I said, no, a petcock. Then we're both looking at each other with the same dumbfounded look on our face. (laughs) I'm thinking, why does he not know what I'm talking about? I said, you know the thing that turns the gas on and off. And she's making the turning motion with her hand. You know, it says on, off, and reserve. It sounds like Liza. (laughs) (laughs) He says, oh, it's on the gas tank, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he is not representing California well. So all I can say is, you know, when the guys from Southern California head out, we can't help that. It has to be a Southern California guy. (laughs) Yeah. And also, we export and kick out all the people who don't make the grade. So (laughs) Yeah. So another quick story, um, which is kind of cute. A uh, nice guy comes into the scooter shop, and I think she's doing some moonlighting at the scooter shop. I think when she sells 12, the 13th one she gets for free. Nice. But helps out a guy, doesn't know how to check his oil. Um, it's overflowing. Um, and the, so she helps him out with that with the turkey baster. And then um, <laughs> he's looking for some help cleaning the carbonator. And she goes, at first I thought it was a slip of the tongue, but he said it several times. A carbonator would be pretty cool. Like a soda stream for your bike. Liza, that sounds like a <laughs> yeah. or, or if you're riding a two-stroke. So lastly, this is kind of my favorite yeah. part of it. And uh, and she's been telling this story for a little while. She's getting her niece into riding. So she has an 11-year-old niece Sweet. who had an electric uh, bike before, if I remember correctly. And now she's on a 70cc dirt bike. Wow. She's nice. doing great. They're riding together. So that's a, a really cool experience to be able to share. Uh, four speed with no clutch uh she forgot to turn her choke off the other day <laughs> and it <Yeah>. died oh! <laughs> right that's gonna hurt warmed up and it died she stopped by and um then it rolled she fell over with it she fell over again and fell over again hmm. which is you know, are you listening micah <laughs> <laughs> but it's right we've all done it it's like you know you gotta especially dirt biking right yeah. i mean the sooner you demystify falling over dirt biking life becomes so much better so yeah. anyway then she got the hang of it she she took off and uh there's more to the story but anyway it's great watching sheila and her niece grow together bring her niece into motorcycling and when i was at the flat track watching these kids run these whatever 80, 100cc bikes, like bad out of hell shit. Oh, they're oh, fearless. Yeah. With their awesome uniforms and they're catching air and, and popping wheelies. I was thinking Sheila and her niece, that could be a lot of fun for you guys. So maybe oh, yeah. you should check out some nice. Texas flat track. Wow. Thanks, Sheila. Sheila. I bet you Sheila wants that uh, Rebel with the sidecar. 
Hey. Uh, I think she's happy with her side. I car. know, with Stella. Miss Emma, you got an email to read here? Okay. Um, now, I was under specific instruction from Liza not to read this, so um, I'm <laughs> reading it as I go. So, excuse me. Okay. Hello, Miss Fitz. It's been a while since I sent you guys an email, but I still listen every week to the Yay. podcast. Yay. Thank you. Yay. Thank you. Oh, Furman Hendrickson. Hey, Furman. Yes. Thank you. First. That's a great name. Isn't it a great name? Excellent. Um, first, I'm glad that Kat is somewhat mobile again. Yep, Kat was down with us today. Um, she looks a lot better. She yeah. looked great. Um, I said to Kat, last three times I met you, the first time I met you, you were lying in the street and your skin looked like cook spam. <laughs> <laughs> the next time I met Kat Ross was two man. days later in the hospital and she was just drugged up to the eyeballs, but she was looking better. And then the next time, it's what, we're... 10 days, two weeks out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she looks a lot better still. So yeah. she is mobile, but she's still in a wheelchair and will be for a while. Hannah, real yeah. quickly. Though, however, she won't yeah. get the knobbies for the wheelchair quite yet. Yeah. Yep. Hannah, I want to <laughs> say um, thanks to those who have been sending well wishes, right. especially to uh, Ted from Motorcycle Men. He sent her a nice card. Aww, so cool. thank you. Yeah, nice, Ted. yeah I saw Ted's card today. Anyway, awesome. so. Um, I listened to the interview with her, and no, cat does not have to be an example for me to wear all my gear all the time. We make choices on how to ride and what to wear, and after seeing what the road can do to a human body sliding along it myself, my pillion, who's your wife, wear gear all the time. Get well Good. soon, cat. so that's nice. Furman is being unfaithful to us. I have been unfaithful to the Misfits podcast. What's, He's been listening around. Yeah, no. He's even listened um, to those. But I have bags. not found okay, another. Mo- oh no, he's redeeming himself. Hang on. I have not found another motorcycle show as good as yours. Oh, darling, thank you. Subject matter, humor, guess, motorcycle tech info, and still the best audio. Um, I think Liza has some type of radio broadcasting history. Is that true, Liza? That, say that again? Have you some kind of history in radio broadcasting? I do not. Well, you know... I do. Well, not like I've had fantastic. responsible for the sound or anything, but... <laughs> so, a while back we were talking about Hadarkas. Um, he had a 125 Combat Wombat when he was in his early teens. Yes. Nice. If you wanted to be a me- motorcycle mechanic, it was a good place to start. I agree. Simple bikes. The Hadaka brand had a very unique transmission. Didn't use any shifter forks. In fact, the main shaft was hollow with a gear just freewheeled on it. When selecting a gear, four ball bearings would come out of the hollow main shaft and engage with, with the gear in the shaft. I remember these very well. It was an amazing wow. system. Um, as the parts wore, the gears would get jammed up and break. I had an engine apart many times. Changing subjects. Doing the ton. Hmm. While in London, I had to stop by the Ace Cafe. Um, they were having some kind of event, including a ride to Brighton Beach. I was without a motorcycle. I know. You know, that's the big problem. You go across overseas, you have to rent a shitty car, you're without your bike. Hmm. Dime City bikes. Cycles were there and had these stickers about doing the ton. Doing the ton. This is a Dime City cycle. Taking an air-cooled vintage machine to a hundred soul-shaking, teeth-chattering miles per hour, and with an advert for Dime City cycles <coughs> on the bottom. Yeah, so I'll buy he, into that. Is he saying that's the definition? Yeah. Oh. So, um, 
So I guess there's different meanings for doing the ton. Yeah, there are. I mean, it's it's one of those things. Versus the long ton. Speaking of London, I would like to join the Emma fan club. Well, welcome, darling. Wow, you're like so popular now. I am. From what I understand, it takes one bottle of gin. Darling, it doesn't take anything. You can be in my fan club. <laughs> two, two bottles of gin. I think I might have met Emma back in the 70s at a Gunhill Road concert. Well, um, back in the 70s, darling, I had lots of jet black hair and I was riding... A GS thousand with an ATP turbo kit on it. So, um, so you'd remember. Yeah, and I used to wear a lot of animal print back then. So, and there's a f- fabulous picture. Um, thanks for riding a. Fa- thanks for having a great motorcycle podcast. Looking forward to the TV show. We should have a TV show, darling. Um, ride fast, take chances, but wear your gear. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Furman. Washington Road, Washington Crossing, Philadelphia on the Delaware River. What a wonderful, wonderful email. Not least because it, he's in my fan club. I know. Thank you, Excellent. Furman. Again. And from my old stomping grounds. What you got, Micah? Um, Sarah Bettany says, Hi, guys. I will be forever grateful to Norm Naridis for introducing me to you guys. Hey, I do Sarah. a lot of walking right now, an hour to and from the station where, to, where I'm running some of the experiments for my research masters, and I listen to your podcast while I'm doing it. Can't wait until my bike is up and running. A Lifen, I think it is, LF125J that I've been work, or that I've been given working. It hasn't run since it was crashed four years ago. Okay. It turns out that my, do- my daughter's boyfriend's family... Uh, my daughter's boyfriend's family all love bikes, and boyfriend's dad h- happens to be a world-class engineer, and he's offered to help me, though I've stressed that I want to learn. I'm keeping an online journal of it on Facebook, if you're interested, and that's facebook.com slash thunderchildthebike. <laughs> Thunderchild. <laughs> Thunderchild. Wow. Wow. Um, because I'm listening to your up-to-date bod- podcasts and playing catch-up, I've got a coincidence happening. In the old ones, your friend David has just lost his leg, but is being Stumpy. remarkably... Stumpy. Yeah, but is being remarkably remarkably chipper about it and of course Kat's just had her appalling accident in the now where i live in cornwall uk there has been there has recently been an accident that has the entire community talking a 40 plus year old man has just been paralyzed from the waist down after a motorbike accident a car went into him lots of outpouring of sympathy money raised we're lucky enough to have the nhs but he's in a hospital at dartmoor and is and it is not an easy or cheap trip to help his pregnant 20 something girlfriend travel to see him it's a very dangerous thing at the moment to be at all critical of Gilly, who I don't know personally, but I know people who do. A very likable man, apparently, and a bit of an idiot. It turns out that the reason the car went into him is that he was doing wheelies without gear at night on a road that is very narrow and hard to navigate even in the day. It requires a huge amount of courtesy among other drivers to make it work. A road on perhaps the steepest hill in the area, and Emma might be able to confirm that Cornwall is not exactly known for being flat. Oh, God, no. It's back to what you say, Liza. The first responsibility uh, to being safe is on us, but it is difficult to know how to f- how to feel about this accident. Listening to Kat talking about why she rides and why sometimes she needs to ride without gear helped me understand a little why this accident happened. But I still think he's a twat for risking himself when other people are depending on him. Um, yeah. Then a question for Emma. Emma, what kind of gin do you like? And is there anything else you miss oh. from the old country? <laughs> Absinthe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, makes the heart go fonder. No, stuck in the bar around here. No, I mean, honestly, if you drink enough absinthe, you see, you start hallucinating. It's amazing mm. stuff. Thank you um, for green fairies. It is a neurotoxin. <laughs> yes. Phew. Um, mm, green fairies. My drink of choice right now is Bombay Sapphire. I'm very thrilled to it. It's 
for terribly British gin, darling. But oh god, it goes down so well. Um, I still can't believe you. And that you know, <laughs> out of the Is bottle, it's like eighty degrees in with orange juice. It's dangerous. Ooh, oh god, you drink juice. it straight, darling. Yes. Oh, you don't oh, drink oh, it with orange juice. Straight. What do I miss about England? I miss a lot about England. You know what I miss? I miss Micah mi- finishing the email. <sighs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> You're being hateful. Thank You're you being for, hateful. Thank you for apologizing when we interrupted you. Liza, yes. Liza's going to get hate mail now. Oh, and my up-the-butt bike? It has to be something otherwise unobtainable, right? Another find through Norman Reedus. I love the series. So glad he's making a second. Any bike from Sosa Metalworks. I just love the style. Half organic, half cool. steampunk or something. Cool, yeah. Take care and thanks again, Sarah. Right. right thank you, Sarah. Sarah. So the question was, do I miss anything about the old country? Um, Tea and crumpets? <laughs> yes. Uh, no pork pies. Rain, <laughs> like like eighty percent of the day is raining. Is, was that was that nice? Yeah. No. Benny Hill. <laughs> no pork pies, darling. Pork, pork pie and pies. gin. That's a large mm-hmm. afternoon. Mm-hmm. Just yes. don't eat a pie and go to the barber on the same day. <laughs> you know, don't eat, don't eat Indian food and take a warm bath. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, we'll put that one in the notes. I have another one from uh, Frank Bullet. So uh, Frank said, um, <laughs> looking at a 2003 Vespa ET2, it's a 50 cc two-stroke uh, with 3,000 miles on it. Has wow. been sitting for a few years, but was running before. Do they have any special issues I should be aware of? Thanks, and I'll be listening to the podcast tomorrow. Thanks, Frank. Um, this is quite an easy fix, Frank. Um, <laughs> What you're going to have to do, get all that fuel out of the tank. Yep. Um, doesn't matter how you do it, just get it out, siphon it out, drain the tank. Fire. And then put some Bombay gin in there. <laughs> some Bombay gin in there. Just to flush it out. Flush it out. Well, um, I, would, I would use seafoam personally. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> well, how, how long has it been sitting? Uh, <clears throat> a little bit. Say, I think. Just said for a few years. No, seafoam ain't going to yeah. do it. Get that fuel yeah. out. Take the carburetor off. Clean out the carburetor, and that means dismantling the carburetor, blowing through the jets, reassemble the carburetor, fill the tank up with fresh fuel, fresh battery, hit the button, off she'll go. Yep. It's it's an easy fix. And some fresh tires, I'm sure. Are, yeah, too, tires and are, stuff are, like um, that. Electrics but, good on these scooters? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. The electrics are very good. Um, the vet, all, all the modern Vespas are very use very good quality components. Um, I agree that the fuel would be the most concern from the bike sitting for so long, um, along with tires and other rubber bits. Probably the drive belt would need to be replaced at this point since it's 13 years old. Um, and assuming with 3,000 miles, it probably has never been replaced. Right. What do you? What would you place a value? on that you know it's hard to say because um the 50s typically are not very sought after yeah so they usually go for fairly cheap but the et is a bike that now is 20 plus years old so it's almost becoming a classic again i would i would say it's probably worth five pounds ten shillings (laughs) thruppence halfpenny (laughs) and halfpenny yes thruppence halfpenny darling (laughs) throw in a pork pie and some gin you got a deal i mean I, i would say probably I, just a ballpark guess, I would say, depending on the condition, a thousand to maybe yeah, that fifteen. Sounds, that sounds about right. Yeah. Nice, Charlie. What do you got over there? Got an email from Rich. Hi, just listened to the episode interviewing Cat about her accident. Rich. Um, <laughs> sorry that she had to experience this, but it sounds like she has a positive attitude. 
then that is 90% of the formula for a speedy recovery. I agree. Yep. Oui. I could relate to her in a few ways because I was recently in a motorcycle accident myself, May 18th, 2016. How's the bike? Um, I don't think it says. <laughs> <laughs> he broke so, both ankles. No important though. details. Ow. Both ankles. Oh, poor right. oh, Yeah. Um, months or I'd like to first say that I am well and recovering nicely. Good. But I, having both broken ankles, I was in a wheelchair for two months and basically horizontal with my legs raised for another month. Mm -hmm. I am now five months in and was just cleared yesterday of all restrictions, in wow. which means I am healed enough to try and run or jump rope, although I'm not able to do these things yet. Why I do you need to run and jump rope just to ride, ride a motorcycle? Yeah, right. <laughs> Start riding wheelies. Yep. I expect to be able to do that stuff in a couple weeks with my continued physical therapy. Please convey my well wishes to Cat for a speed recovery. P.S. I was initially accused of being at fault. The lady hit me, made up stories about how I was riding crazy, cut wow. into her lane, mm -hmm. and she was able to find two witnesses to corroborate her story. Really? Yes. Yeah. What this, the fuck? This was all until I furnished my GoPro video. Ha ha. Nice. <laughs> which recorded the whole thing and showed a story very different from her report and that of her witnesses. I learned a couple lessons from that instance, one of them being always have my GoPro camera on yep. because it's assumed the bikers are at fault. Deuces. Yeah, I'm going to have to revisit my Mobius setup. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that idea. Yeah. All right, Isaac, you got uh, one more email? Yeah, I got one more. This is about. Uh, this is from Mike. This is... Hey, uh, and Mike. Emma, Mike. I think you might be able to help answer this. Titled, Riding with Vision Issues. Oh. Good morning, Misfits. Uh, Sounds exciting. Good, good evening, Mike. <laughs> Felt like picking your brains on a possible topic. Vision impairment and riding. Back at the end of 2014, I got a retinal detachment in my left eye. Oh, my car. God. Sounds painful. I don't know what it is. At oh, the, it's bad. Yeah. At the time, I still had my 05ZX6R Ninja. Sorry, Lucas, not a six Jixa rider. <laughs> now when I ride or drive my cars, it has made me almost turn hyper vigilante or vigilant i'm assuming yeah. i yeah. check my I, it's spelled, it's spelled vigilante. well it depends on how far you take it yeah. <laughs> right. i check my mirrors uh and now massive blind spot more often it also changed my preferred rides for the uh for the street to, to cruisers okay now does anyone with glasses feel like they check around them more than those who have better vision mike um Ooh. i've always worn glasses so i've never I've never ridden a bike without them. But, you know, interestingly enough, um, I had cataract surgery last year. And the reason I I didn't realize I needed it, I didn't realize I, only, how, I thought only old people got that surgery. Yeah, I'm telling you. They, they look beautiful, by the way. Oh, well, thank well you. Yeah. No, thank Come you. On, like, like really but going what was here. happening is I was driving a tour bus at the time, and I kept backing my tour bus mm -hmm. into fucking light poles <laughs> and my boss was my boss was pulling his hair out and said you know what the hell are you doing Emma you've been driving these things for 20 friggin years he said shut and up and pass me the gin yes <laughs> and I, I realised I had no depth perception because I couldn't see out of my one eye so oh. I had my cataract surgery in my left eye and next week I've got to have my bloody right eye done yeah. mm -hmm. um, so you know it, it sucks um, I, I, I can tell you that I, I, oh. sorry I personally um, I, let's see 
uh, shortly after I moved here to Santa Cruz, so like about 12, 13 years ago, I used to only wear my glasses at night. I could see fine during the day. And I was out for a ride with a friend, and we were out later than I thought. Here comes dusk, and I couldn't see that well. And it was the first time I ever pulled over the side of the road and said, can't do it. We got to call someone to come with a truck to come get me because wow. wow. I'm not. I'm not gonna wow. do this. Riding with poor vision scares the yeah. fudge and, nuts out. Yeah. Of me. And for you to stay, say that, you yeah. must be like blind. But, but you yeah, know, I was gonna jump onto that as well. Like I could answer that in the fact that I have not worn glasses all my life. The glasses are actually only about six or seven years old now. So mm-hmm. um, whether I'm more vigilant with the glasses. Um, I might be, I'd say I concentrate, I focus more on my peripheral vision now and making sure like what's further around me mm-hmm. than it, the glasses themselves. But yeah, it's the, for me it was the, I couldn't read, I started to not be able to read signs at far distance and mm-hmm. I used to joke around, it's the difference between a light bar and a ski rack at a quarter mile, which <laughs> yeah, is kind of right. important things. Yeah, and I've, I've, I've worn glasses since I was 11 years old. Um, I... I've I've actually got quite good vision with the glasses, so I don't think my nearsightedness affects me personally, but a retinal detachment is a completely different story. Oh, absolutely. Um, That's serious stuff. He didn't say if he was completely blind in that eye now or if it's just healing... But but if it, if it impairs your bit, your vision in one eye, that's definitely going to affect you because, um, like like you mentioned, uh, Emma, the the depth perception is is severely impacted if you only have one eye that you can rely on. Um, and I I remember a story of when I was first learning to drive. Our driving instructor said that he had a, a student come in who was blind in one eye, um, and he was concerned that he wouldn't be able yeah. to drive well because of, he wouldn't have the depth perception. But the thing is that that you do learn to compensate for that, right. and and you you start to be able to to tell distances not by stereoscopic vision, but just by your perception of where things are and being used to the the feel of of how how things look based on your one eye. But yeah, I, I um I have very poor vision in my left eye, and that's how I do it. Right. Yeah. But if it, here's a misfits top tip: mm-hmm. if you wear glasses. Keep your prescription up to date. I mean, riding a motorcycle, you need all your faculties at 100%. So make sure your hearing's good, make sure your vision's good, you know, deal yourself a good hand. Yep. I agree. And, uh, Charlie, you have an announcement? Yeah, we have the. Are vampire. you pregnant, Charlie? <laughs> yes. Are you pregnant? How again, did you darling? know? Who's the father? Because you're glowing. It, it could be the pon- the paunch you're developing. The, the, the father's Jim. Oh. <laughs> hear that, Jake? That's what you get for riding a bike naked and then Charlie hopping on the same. Did he bike. sit on my seat? <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> Um, Dave the Ride Vampires. Um, it is Sunday, November 6th at 10 o'clock. Come to Cafe Pergolesi's. It's going to be a good time. We have barbecue and stuff afterwards. <gasps> is this yep. mystery meat or not? Yeah, it is mystery meat barbecue. Mystery meat. Yay. Yep. And, and stupid, stupid, and stupid human tricks. Human yes. tricks. Yep. Usually like supplied stupid. by us. I like stupid. Well, yeah, you tricks. are a resident supply of stupid <laughs> humans. Oh, stupid humans, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Sorry, you left that one kind of wide. <laughs> that was a, you were on that one, Adrian. Exactly. So yeah. it's a time. It's that time of the podcast to thank everyone who's uh, who's made it this far, who's uh, listening, uh, who are 
contributors, our emailers. We love our fans. I think especially Emma, your hat size has gone up two sizes. I don't know how I'm going to get my head out of the door. Uh, But I got to interrupt. We had Sheila from Canada stop Mm -hmm. by today. So I think I've seen a bunch of Canadian people on bikes lately because they got all the safety gear and all the glow shit and they got these great touring bikes. But I realized she's here because they're running out of time up in Canada. This is true. Right? So everybody's cold down here. But um, thanks, Sheila, for stopping in. She's a listener. She came down. She had put a larger gas tank on her CRF CRF 250. She's going from Canada to Panama. What an epic 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 trip but she made herself at home she got here early right when we opened up next thing you know Zachar has her grinding metal there was a some sort of a cage (laughs) that was she had to modify it to to, for a gas tank but she got in here she was working hard all day and uh, it was cool so thanks for coming by and I wanted to remind everyone we have t-shirts for sale if you want a t-shirt you can contact me at recycle motorcycle garage at gmail.com or you can go to our website motorcyclesandmisfits.com and order one there um, for our Patreon subscribers, you are keeping us going. We appreciate Thank you it. Very much. And Thank I have you. a special announcement oh, for you're pregnant. Patreon subscribers <laughs> and anyone new who wants to go on and, and contribute for as little as uh, you can do a dollar a month. Five dollars a month is what we're asking people. For five dollars a month, uh, we're going to be printing up some special t shirts. You'll be getting one of those. Um, but also, we're going to put since Kat has this brand new cast, we're going to write, we're going to sign the names of our Patreon subscribers on her cast. Awesome. So, yes, Kat will proudly wear you, <laughs> your name on her leg. As a sponsor. <laughs> As a sponsor. <laughs> sponsor Kat's leg. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and she's got weeks to go. Weeks uh, to go. So, yeah, thank you to our, our, our subscribers. Big we help. appreciate it. So, I think... Um, yeah, just go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com. You'll find our links to Facebook and everything else there. Thank you, Damon, for yeah, coming. Yeah, thank you, Damon. Yeah, thank, you. Had, thank you for asking. My really pleasure. Cool. No idea what you're getting into. Hopefully, we'll get you down here some I, more. I hope and it wasn't too painful. Not at all. It was, it was fun. And, and uh, <clears throat> anytime you need someone to just pontificate endlessly about oh, yes. little tiny about things. Hey, yeah, that's uh, details, my job. Let me know. I know, I know. So on that note, I think we're ready to get out of here. This is Liza. This is Isaac. Bagel. Adrian. Nigga Jim. Oh, good night, darling. Damon. Micah. Charlie. Johnny Boy. And we are out of here. Cool, cool. cool.